The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Better late than never, they always say. We finally get this episode of Fantasy NBA Today out to you in the late afternoon Pacific time. Encroaching on the evening for you fine folks out on the East Coast. But you know what? A show's a show. And these days, with the weirdness going on, both personally, as we mentioned in previous couple of podcasts, the addition to our family over here has my schedule all flipped on its head. And then, of course, you know, global contagion. There's no real rhyme or reason to when these shows are getting released. So, you know, without being too much of a dick about it, uh, you get them when you get them. Hope you guys are enjoying a little respite from the usual fare. I'm hoping that these podcasts provide that break. They certainly do for my own brain. Opportunity to really think about... Well, now, you know, we are tying it in because there's no NBA and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about why. But... For instance, yesterday, we had a really nice, I thought, in-depth discussion of how to solve your what-if on Fantasy Leagues. When we first got the news, we'll go all the way back to March 11th, the day that the NBA shut her down three weeks ago to the day, almost to the minute. We're like two hours before the NBA season got canceled. I did a show with Brewski the next morning. That was a Thursday morning that I figured was going to post basically for the weekend on Thursday morning. I thought it'd be wise to just do sort of a double long, like an hour and 15 minute show, just going over everything that people were going to be considering. And on that day, there was this, and, and it's really weird to think about it this way, because on that Thursday, things weren't nearly as severe as they are right at this moment. From a viral contagion standpoint, from the pandemic side of things, things are definitely worse now than they were just under three weeks ago. In some places, Washington State has leveled off. They were worse three weeks ago. California, you could make an argument, is worse, but showing signs of slowing the progress of the disease. New York is in a a deep pit right now. They're trying to claw their way out of it. Outside of some very, very few examples, things are worse now than they were then. And yet, just because of the immediacy of the NBA season suspension three weeks ago, when we did that show, when Brew and I did a show on that Thursday, immediately following the end, or the temporary, we hope, end of the NBA season, there was this built-in need... And this, I think, is less necessary when you have a video element to what you're doing because you can you can emote with your hands, with your face when you're on video that you can't do with the podcast. So when it's audio only like this, there's, I think, a built-in need to preface every statement with, I know there are more important things going on. And for some reason, and I can't solve this one, and I think I really do think it has to do with the fact that we're now three weeks removed from the NBA, end of the NBA campaign, but I think that when we talk about what we're doing with our fantasy leagues, I don't know that you have to do that same preface, even though it, it, it is truly worse now than it was then. 
hospitalizations, deaths, all that stuff, things are worse now. So I'll say it one time on today's show, and I'm not going to repeat it over and over again. I, you guys know that I'm not some cold-hearted weirdo who's ignoring the reality of everything that's going on, but we need a distraction, and hopefully most of us get through this without too much long-term damage. And when that time comes, we have to know what the hell we're doing with our teams. So that was what yesterday's show was about. One thing I meant to talk about on yesterday's podcast that I forgot, I'll be honest with you guys, just plum forgot, and that's going to be happening a lot on podcasts these days. You're going to find that there are points, if you listen really critically to these podcasts, and and I know that that's not kind of the way that people take in their, their pods. A lot of people listen to it on one and a half speed or two times speed. You guys on two times speed, you'll never notice where I make a weird edit or a weird cut. Those of you listening at normal 1x, you'll probably pick up weird little cuts where I forgot what I was talking about, had to stop the show, go back, listen to the previous 60 seconds to figure out what the hell my brain was doing, and then pick up from there. And that, good sirs and madams, is the magic of sleep deprivation. And in this exact moment, I kind of forgot what I was talking about. But I do remember that the thread is that yesterday's show, which covered what to do with your fantasy leagues. And I, I wouldn't be... I, I still, by the way, I still advocate waiting. Give it a week or two more. Give it three more weeks, four more weeks, whatever. I mean, you don't have to make a decision right now. If things really do continue to escalate for four or five more weeks, I think you'll probably see the season get canceled, at least the regular season. I, I think they do try to slip in the playoffs somehow with the standings the way they are. The one thing that I didn't mention on yesterday's podcast was, what does the NBA do if they end up having to cancel both the regular season and the playoffs? You can't just have a season without a champion. I think you end up probably doing some sort of co-champion thing with the top seed from each conference. You can't just give it to the Bucks, can you? I think you'd you'd see a riot. Almost no matter what you do there, you'd probably see a riot. Uh, Lakers 49 and 14, they lead the West. Bucks 53 and 12, they lead the East. And no one's close to either of them. And that's why there's this weird, okay, maybe you have an argument for, you know, the Bucks 815 winning percentage, Lakers 778. And then the next one down is the Raptors at 72. So there really isn't a whole lot there aren't that many bucks are by the way well out in front of everybody they're they're even what three games up on the lakers i think uh lakers at 49 and 14 are three and a half games up on the raptors lakers are five and a half up on the clippers you're just going on total rankings right now what would you guys do what would you guys do you have to have a champion don't you it's not going to be a satisfying one. I don't think anybody's going to be hanging any banners for a season canceled. Here were the teams in front. Would you potentially just go straight to a one seed versus one seed finals at some point? That doesn't make any sense either. This is why I think the NBA is going to do everything in its power to get the playoffs going. Because if you could do that, and by the way, that's the probably the second most fair way to end this thing. The first, the most fair... The fairest of them all, who's that? The queen from uh, Snow White, uh, 
the fairest of them all would be to play out the rest of the regular season, play the normal schedule, even if you have to expedite it a little bit, so play it fast at, at the two locations, that kind of that that plan. That feels far fetched if we're not getting the season going until July. But if we're getting the season going in July, let's say that that's the plan here, April, May, and June. We still have three full months to try to figure this bleep out and get it under control. You could probably ram in about a six-week playoff with a couple of weeks of lead-up time. That doesn't, by the way, need to be part of that. The, The teams could start potentially working out together, quarantining, put a team in a hotel, let them bring their families, I don't care. All the food would be handled in a sanitary way. Everybody would basically be on the same diets. That kind of there just there wouldn't be any freedom of any of any sort, which is would make the whole thing difficult. But ah hell, at this point, you know, you could leave the families behind too. Like you could just take the players away for six weeks. That that's not that six weeks is not that long. Yeah, it's long. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to minimize it, but you certainly do. You you rapidly expand your danger by adding. Four, three, four, five extra people with each player and staff member that comes along on this thing. You could pretty easily isolate 16 teams worth of players and staff and ram a playoffs together. And you could very easily isolate each team individually, which is basically what's happening now. The reports we've been getting over the last couple days is that a lot of teams have sort of completed their quarantine taken additional tests at the end of their 14-day quarantine and come back clean. I think the Lakers were one of them, if I'm not mistaken. I believe the rest of the Jazz, if I'm getting that news right. Don't quote me on that one. Um, So that's very doable. If the Lakers wanted to practice for a couple of weeks, these guys just stay in their quarantine, go to and from the practice facility. Any team in the playoffs can do it. And that's why I was saying the second fairest thing is if you have to shorten it I don't I don't know how you play a shortened regular season the rest of the way like how do you say well do we pick up where we left off and just not play the last three weeks of the normal regular season I don't know how that's fair to anybody the teams that are in or out of the playoff picture what good is that you need multiple weeks for these guys to get back into game shape so nobody gets hurt then they play Two weeks of regular season games that are, what, selected at random? You randomize a new schedule? I have no idea how you pull that one off. What games do you play? To me, there are three outcomes to this. No games of any kind. And they have to crown regular season champions. One or two. Second way is that you have the full schedule, regular season and playoffs, and things just run crazy late. And the third is just playoffs. I don't know how you have a partial schedule. That just doesn't make sense to me. If they jump straight to the playoffs, that buys them a little bit more time to get things restarted. Because then you're not worrying about jamming in five weeks of regular season games. That's a win. As far as scheduling goes. We'll see. Anyway, the, the thing I wanted to bring up that I forgot to on yesterday's podcast was really what do we do? What does the NBA do? If they play no games, regular season or playoffs, if that really was the end of the season. And I think you get regular season champions, one from each one from each conference. Or if you want to get real silly, you can go one from each division. But that feels kind of stupid because there are good and bad divisions. 
You know, the Clippers have the second best record in the Western Conference. Then the Nuggets and the Jazz and the Thunder are all from the same division. Your Southwest division leader is the Rockets, and they're the sixth seed. Rockets, Mavs, Grizzlies, Pelicans, Spurs. I mean, you have decent teams down there. Don't get me wrong. Six, seven, and eight seeds all belong to that same division. There are only two Pacific division teams that are in the playoffs. Suns, Kings, and Warriors are all on the outside looking in, but those two teams are also the top two seeds. So I don't think how you, I don't see how you take winners of each division. Maybe they could give themselves like a pennant. You have a similar problem in the East, but it's not quite so severe. Bucks, Central, Raptors, uh, Atlantic, the Heat, Southeast are the four seeds, so not way down the list like the Rockets in the sixth spot. If that's the way they go, they probably just make it the Lakers and the Bucks, a Western champ and an Eastern champ. And each team gets like 50 bucks. It's like a consolation prize. You don't get the actual Larry O'Brien trophy. You get some made-up thing for this year. I promised we would talk fantasy mock draft stuff today, and I intend to keep that promise. So let's see if we can't pick up where we left off in our... Breakdown of the eight-category mock draft started by the great Adam King. It ended a long time ago at this point. And we took a little break. <laughs> a little one. We took a, a slight break for the uh, the birth of my child. But we're able to launch back into this thing now and pick up where we left off. So, I also said the last time we did a show, I probably couldn't do the the Ace Ventura, Ray Finkel thing. We finished the top 60, so we'll go 61 through 70 on today's podcast. Pick 61, the beginning of round six. How nice is that? We finally leveled off. Uh, Marvin Magley went and at pick number 61. A little bit of a roll of the dice here, considering... The guy has not shown the ability to stay on the floor long-term. And we don't really know what changes he might have made to his game this year because he was, well, just not healthy. He wasn't healthy. He's a guy that, in talking to our uh, our marvelous Aaron Bruski over here at Hoop Ball, he still feels that there's some nice potential in him to add defensive stats to a points, rebounds, and field goal percent build to make him a more of a three or a more of a four or five category guy as opposed to just two or three. That's the kind of thing that can catapult him up in the rankings. But you guys know my stance on this type of stuff, and it's not changing for any one particular guy. Even though I think Bagley could have a pretty good year next season if he can stay healthy, he needs to make those big leaps. And I'm still not quite ready to completely throw caution to the wind. As you may recall from earlier in this draft, I, I, I didn't really take any risks in this one yet. In a lot of normal fantasy drafts, by the time you get to the fourth, fifth, sixth round, this is where you can start grabbing a little bit farther down the charts, look for guys that has have that upside. But what I like to also do in this range is take guys that don't have that giant hole that can fall out from underneath them. I don't want to take the sinkhole guys where, yeah, maybe 
things work out, but what if the earth opens up? Plus, there's still some value plays on the board. Kevin Love went at 62 in this league, which feels perfectly reasonable. He ended up having a pretty darn good season for Cleveland this year. He's number 48 on a per-game basis in 8-cat. He's been sitting out back-to-backs, which might happen again next year. Who knows? Maybe he gets moved. But he's had a good season. 18 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 2.5 three-pointers, 45 from the field, 86 at the free-throw line. I'd like to see him take more free throws. He's always been very good there, and that's been one of his positive numbers. Four a game is solid, but not giant. I want a little bit bigger. I want four and a half. I want uh, not, not not monstrous. Like, he doesn't need to be taking six, seven free throws a game. That, that, those, those types of numbers are reserved for a select few number of players, but Love has consistently moved away from the bucket. And that doesn't really change next season. So you have to look at some of the other stuff. The personnel around him, Andre Drummond, likely for an entire season, unless the Cavs flip him at the trade deadline next year, which is a possibility, is on a contract year. So he's going to be gobbling up rebounds, but they're going to be rotating bodies through. When Love is uh, not on the floor, you probably see Larry Nance slide into the power forward spot. Nance is going to play a bunch of small forward, it looks like. Andre Drummond... When he's not on the floor, you probably see Kevin Love slide up and play more center. He's just, if you can, if you believe he can stay healthy, he has the opportunity to eclipse this number. We're starting to get into a point here, too, where even the guys that feel somewhat safe do have some risks to their name. Jalen Brown went to pick number 63 in this draft. He's number 56 in 8-cat this year. And that's probably a relatively predictable spot for him. He's averaging 20 and 6 with a steal and two three-pointers on good field goal percent and a slightly lackluster free throw percent. He's having a really nice season. Can the 49% stick long-term? I don't really see why not. Maybe is maybe there will be blips here and there, seasons where he's a little better, a little worse. But I, I, this doesn't strike me as a massive anomaly for him. And I also don't see Boston changing their wing or guard makeup all that much year over year. So his role should be somewhat secure. He ends up with more to do when guys are out. You know, when Kemba was down, he'll do, he'll do more. When Hayward was down, he'll do more. So there is a little bit of that mouths-to-feed situation should the Celtics somehow find a way to stay healthy all season next year. Um, but this is a perfectly reasonable play. As someone who likes safe picks, he's somewhat safe in this territory. Not a massive amount of upside beyond what he did this year, but a guy that's going to get you some scoring, some rebounds, a couple of steals. He's ramped up his three-point shooting, and he'll get you good field goal percent from uh, you know shooting guard, small forward eligible guy. I wish his free throw shooting was better. Considering how, how much better he's become just as a shooter overall, you'd think the free throw would continue to trend up, but I just it's hard to know exactly to what point. Julius Randle went at pick number 64. He's been a, a massive thorn. Getting out from under Julius Randle, particularly a nine cat, was a huge lifesaver. He ended up playing a lot better the second half of this season than he did the first, and he's managed to work his way up to rank 85 in eight cat and lower than that in nine cat on 20 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, minimal other stuff, and percentage is not that great this year. He was really a points and rebounds guy this season, with a slight shout to 
you know, power forward center guy getting three assists a game. That's that's better than average. But he didn't block any shots. Both percentages were not good, especially for his position on the floor. His field goal percent, frankly, just should have been better. And for free throws, those did come up over the course of the season as well. He was he was certainly worse than this early on. Now that it's evened out for Randall, you look at these numbers and you say, okay, well, what needs to happen for him to make that next two-round leap? And the answer is probably he needs to fix one of his two percentages. We'd love both, but in all likelihood, the one you're looking at, the one you're staring down is field goal percent. Get that 46 up to 48 or 49, and boom, he goes from 85 to 65 in a heartbeat. That said, I'm not taking him at 64. No chance. I can't, I can't run that risk if you're not in a points league. Jonas Nader, I gotta, we have to mention him by name because when you hear the players that are drafted, you're like, oh, yeah, that had to be Jonas. Christian Wood at 65, that, that's a hard pick to make right now, not because he's not been dunking. Don't get me wrong. Christian Wood has been spectacular post-All-Star break when Detroit, and actually for about two weeks before the All-Star break when Detroit started letting him play, uh, but the last 10 to 15 games... He's been a top 20 fantasy guy. 24 points, 10 boards, 2 assists, a steal, and a block. 57% from the field, 76 at the free throw line. So that's really darn good. And had himself a coronavirus in, in the midst of all this stuff. Is he a top 20 guy next year? Probably not. Detroit's not just going to let him do whatever the hell he wants all season long. But it also doesn't look like they have anybody else that they're targeting for that spot. So they're going to try to retain him. And if they don't, Someone else is going to pay him enough to make him a starter. I don't think he's going to go to someplace, take a little bit more money, and come off the bench. I think he's enjoying being part of the fun at long last. Does Detroit make any other changes? Mm, let's, say he, let's say they do retain him. You got to think that if he's coming back, it's to play. He's finally, and he had to work for it, he needed the guy in front of him to get moved, but he's finally jumped over the other dudes and he's playing. I wonder, I'm thinking about the psyche of Christian Wood here. Is he grateful, you think, to Detroit for giving him an opportunity for uh, uh, four weeks? Or do you think he's annoyed that he had to work so hard to get to that point again? I don't know. That could, that could play a big role in where he ends up next season. So he's a really hard pick to make right now because we don't know where the hell he's going to be going. But if he sticks in Detroit, this is a very reasonable play at 65. He's been excellent. Gordon Hayward at 66. He's quietly had a really nice season uh, just doing a little bit of everything. He's become your Swiss Army knife. Low turnover guy, so better in 9-cat than 8-cat this year. As someone who was... I believe sitting right around the two turnover mark, but let's double check on that. Yeah, 1.8, so he's actually below that. He's number 51 in 8-cat, better than that in 9. And he's another guy where you look at it and you're like, I don't know that his role changes a ton. He has tapered off a tiny bit as the season's worn on, but generally the percentages have been really good, both of them. He's not going to hit a ton of threes or get you a ton of steals or blocks, but just enough of each to go along with good points, rebounds, and assists and good percentages. You just It's nice to have a guy that's putting up mid-round value that isn't really hurting you anywhere. Maybe steals. You make the argument, all right, I'm rolling in this small forward out there and he's under one steal a game. Yeah, you want a little bit more from that spot. But you can cover that up easily. 
So I like this pick for uh, Al Hunter's team at 66. Eric Bledsoe at 67. He seems like someone who should be able to bounce back. It's been a weird year for Bledsoe for so many reasons. He's had his typical ups and downs. He's had his hot stretches, his cold stretches. He's played extraordinarily well anytime Giannis or Chris Middleton has sat. And somehow, it's funny, at the end of all of this, he's at two and a half turnovers a game, so he is actually better in 8-cat than 9-cat rankings. At the end of all of this, I think there's been a feeling that he's had a bad year. It hasn't been great, but it certainly hasn't been bad. He's number 66 in 8-cat on 15.5 points, 1.5 threes, about 5 boards, 5.5 assists. About a steal and half a block, 48% from the field, 81 at the free throw line. So the percentages have been good. The only thing you look at him and you're like, where's this? the steals need to be higher? But then you realize Milwaukee doesn't like to play their starters big minutes. They're just, the whole regular season is pretty much a tune-up for that team. So he's only at 27 minutes a game. You had to figure that his stuff would be down 10 to 20%, playing 27 minutes instead of 30 or 32. Take five minutes away from a guy playing 32 minutes. Yeah, you might be able to make up for it if you just go a little bit higher usage. But where's that extra usage coming from? He's still fighting with Giannis and Chris Middleton. So for Bledsoe, I might make the argument this is a tiny bit early. This is right where he's at in 8-cat right now. And I don't know how much things change on a per-game basis looking at next year. But he healed when at pick number 68. He's another guy where I think most people are looking at it and are like, he's been terrible. Well, he's number 54 in 8-cat. So this is a really nice pick. This is our buddy Josh Millman. Heald has left a strange taste in everybody's mouth. He's had a lot of negative press around his name in Sacramento. He hasn't shot the ball well this year at just 43%, but he's still at 20 points, four threes, five rebounds, three assists, and a steal, and a solid 85.5% at the free throw line. There's a lot not to like about his year. He's been extremely inconsistent. The field goal percent has been extraordinarily low, but overall, he hasn't been nearly as much of a disappointment as people would lead you to believe. Blake Griffin went at pick number 69, which actually isn't that crazy in 8-cat. You're, you're banking at this point on him staying healthy, which is fine. Looking back at last season, the previous year, where Blake was actually pretty good, he was number 39 in 8-cat. He is a threat, by the way, to Christian Wood putting up giant numbers in Detroit. If he comes back and just dominates the basketball, then Wood's going to have a battle to kind of fight for things. Even if he is pretty much the uncontested starting center on that team and Blake Griffin's playing power forward, he's just not going to have the ball in his hands as often. Do we actually think Blake could get up into the 70s in games played again? I don't know that that ever happens for him again. But, I mean, look at that team. Take Andre Drummond off that team. Blake Griffin, he would have to be there everything. His percentages might kill you, which is one of the risks in a roto spot taking him. But head-to-head, at about 70, you guys know how much I hate Blake Griffin in general, but there's a weird kind of post-hypey feel to his name this time. He had a really bad year, a really short year. No one's going to want him. It's the same thing as Buddy Heald. This is like this depressed asset round we're looking at right now. And finally, a pick number 70 as we go 10 picks at a time. Yours truly. Yes, we finally got to a Dan pick. And I went, and this is going to blow people away. I went Devontae Graham. I went Devontae Graham at pick number 70. Because I feel like 
And and this won't be the case as we get closer to actual fantasy draft season, when in the hell that turns out to be. Uh, Devontae Graham has is right now because most of the the mock the mock draft chart for instance is pretty much showing where guys were at the start of this year so no one was paying attention to Devontae in this particular mock draft and I was able to scroll down the list and scoop him probably later than he'll end up going last season he's number 55 and 8 cat right now with a high volume 38% from the field if he even turns that to 39 or 40 he's inside the top 50 in a blink Really, just blinks his eyes one time, and he goes from 55 to 45 with like two percentage points there. Maybe more. That's the one thing that's really holding him back this year. Otherwise, he's had a fantastic season. Three and a half threes, 18 points, almost eight assists, a steal, good free throw percentage, under three turnovers despite all those assists. So there's a lot to like about Devontae Graham. The field goal percent is certainly the one big thing not to like, but that's why I made that play there at 70. I, I think he goes earlier than 70 in mock drafts next year. I think this was a steal for my team, and I'm surprised that more people didn't point it out as a good pick. I love it. He almost has no place to go but up after this giant leap this year because that one statistical category is holding him back. Field goal percent. Any small improvements there rocket him up the charts, even if it's accompanied by a downtick in something else like, oh, hell, I don't know. What if they need him to do less less assisting next year and it goes from 7.5 down to 7 or 6.5? You can make up for that with that free, that field goal percent in, in no time at all. And now before my eyes close upon me here, this podcast in the afternoon, the warm air descending on my office slash bedroom and sending me into a state of barely being... I'm like slurring my speech over here. I'm getting so tired. Uh, I wanted to thank you guys all for listening once again. I hope you're enjoying these podcasts as, again, something of a reprieve. We had a couple of forum posts at HoopBall related to Dynasty League. So if you guys want to get involved over there, check that out. That's hoop-ball.com slash forums. And shout out to our team podcast guys and our premium podcast guys putting out content for free. We had a new Grizzlies podcast last week. Uh, we had a new Bulls and a new Pelicans podcast that came out yesterday. No, excuse me. Those came out today. Pardon me. Pardon me. Uh, that's Greg Mraz and Lyle Swithenbank has picked up the the rope and he's running, or the, the baton, and he's running with it on the Pelicans podcast. So we got a brand new host over there. Really excited to have that show back up and running again. And shout out to the premium guys for doing free basketball chat shows those will be live on youtube one of them is coming up later on tonight uh santino william doug and brent i believe are hosting the show tonight that should be fun you know it, it, no one's they're gonna be massive wisdom imparted every single time but just we're, we're bored man we want to talk sports so go and join those guys post some questions in the youtube channel again everything is free right now at hoopball as it should be at pretty much every place because we're missing sports altogether. Back at you tomorrow, Thursday. We'll uh, we'll get you some more picks from this mock draft. Also, we'll be doing a surprise bonus show on another channel that I'll tell you about on tomorrow's podcast. I am Dan Vespers, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Stay safe, everybody. Oh, and massive shout-out to my buddy Eric Edelstein, who... Uh, 
brought over a bottle of hand sanitizer to me and my family because we don't want to go outside. He does the voice of Grizzly Bear on We Bear Bears, and he is your day's hero for delivering alcohol, not the drinking kind, the please-let-us-touch-doorknobs kind, to uh, the Vespers household with newborn. So thank you, Eric. You are the man. Try to get him on a podcast to talk about some Portland Trailblazers here. Big-time Blazers fan, that grizzly bear. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.